0: Hi, Juliette here with a quick message before this episode starts. Everything you need to be more strategic amid the busyness of the school term is contained in the 170 plus episodes of this podcast. But sometimes you can get there a bit faster with some personalised help. I host a termly online workshop specifically designed to help the support staff within schools to make the shift from being reactive to strategic. Our next workshop is coming up soon. And we're going to be reflecting on how things have gone this academic year and strategising for the academic year to come so that you can confidently prioritise your workload, overcome the obstacles that are holding you back and redirect your time and focus onto your priorities. At the end of the session, I promise you're going to be feeling more energised, ready to hit the ground running with a clear plan of action. This terms workshop is going to be run on Thursday the 16th of May and you can find out more and book your place at www.consultjuliet.co.uk slash plan. I hope to see you there. Now let's launch into this episode. Welcome to the Independent School Podcast. This is the place for senior school leaders to discover innovative ideas and actionable tips that are going to help to strengthen their school's income streams and secure its future. My name's Juliette Corbett, and I'm a consultant, speaker and facilitator specialising in independent schools. So thanks for joining me today, and let's get started on this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to this week's SPARK episode. Looking at how social marketing can give us a different perspective on our work in independent schools. Innovation and creativity is often sparked by ideas from outside our primary sector. So these spark episodes of the podcast are designed to give you insights and new ideas from fields beyond the independent school sector. And then they also reflect on how these new insights and ideas could be applied within your independent school. So this week we're going to be looking at social marketing. Now, to be really clear up front, I am not talking about social media marketing. The core we're talking about here is actually completely different. Social marketing is a whole profession and area of academic study which looks at the application of commercial marketing techniques but with the aim of influencing behaviour in ways which can benefit communities of people, what's often called pro-social behaviours. So, for example, it's using commercial marketing techniques, but trying to encourage people to stop speeding in their cars, not to do drink driving, to donate blood, to eat healthily, to exercise – These activities, which may have an individual benefit as well, but where generally speaking, people need to be encouraged to take these behaviours to help society as a whole. So they're called pro-social behaviours. So I discovered this whole field of activity when I was doing my MBA with Durham University. And I'll be honest, I did not know this existed before. I did not realise that this was an area where professionals spend their entire careers and academics spend their entire careers developing the techniques which are going to encourage us to make these pro-social choices. And I was fascinated by it when I came across it. And the immediate thing that jumped into my mind was how it could be used for alumni relations and fundraising within education. So I chose to do my MBA dissertation doing some primary research around how social marketing could be applied specifically to alumni relations behaviours. So those pro-social behaviours that we encourage alumni to take to benefit our school communities. For example, giving careers advice. So I searched far and wide for people who had had this idea before me to apply social marketing to alumni relations, and I didn't find anybody. I didn't find any other research studies or practitioners who were specifically talking about using the body of knowledge from social marketing in order to apply it to alumni relations behaviours. So that's what I decided to focus on in my dissertation. I used a whole range of research methods, quantitative and qualitative. So I did interviews with alumni relations professionals. I did a focus group of alumni and an alumni questionnaire with nearly 200 responses. So there were a few limitations to this research. So I was focusing on university alumni rather than those from independent schools. But I don't see any reason um, off the top of my head why it shouldn't also apply to school alumni. I was focusing on alumni relations because it was easier for me to access the number of respondents I needed for my research, but I really think that this framework is useful thinking about fundraising and also about other pro-social behaviours within our school communities, so perhaps thinking about pupils volunteering. It was a relatively small sample, 200 respondents, and not tiny but not massive. It gives us some early indications of areas which might be worth thinking about but as you will know if you know anything about statistics when you don't have a massive sample some of those conclusions can be a little tentative in their in terms of their statistical validity but i was delighted when i submitted my dissertation i received a really high distinction for my work and it contributed to me being awarded the top prize in the mba program for that year 2018 so it is really good quality research it is very thorough i've put a link to the dissertation in the um episode notes. But I will caution you, I was writing it in order to get a good mark, to be honest. And so it is very academic in tone. I'm going to summarise the key points here today. But if you want to dive into the statistical analysis and so on, then please do download the dissertation and do let me know what you think. So I'm not going to be able to give you a complete overview of the social marketing field in this episode. I just don't have time. But what I have done is I've put a link to a social marketing textbook by Nancy Lee and Philip Kotler. That's really thorough in this area and actually really easy to read. It's very accessible. So do explore that if you want a bit more information on specifically social marketing, the detail of what it what it encompasses. But there are definitely some fresh ideas that arose from this research that I want to share with you today. So the model that I used within my research was called the Trans Theoretical Model of Behaviour Change. Bit of a mouthful. Basically, what I did was I took three elements of this really quite complicated model about human behaviour and explored how these three elements could shine some new light on our alumni relations activities. So the first one is the pros of the activities, so the benefits of getting involved. The second one is the cons or the barriers, so the downsides of getting involved in alumni relations activities. And thirdly, what we call the self-efficacy issue, so the issues around confidence that alumni may feel in getting involved. So what I'm going to do today is go through each of those in turn. So firstly, the pros. It's really instinctive, really obvious. When you're creating alumni relations activities, the research found that you do need to promote the pros or the benefits that alumni are gonna feel when they get involved. That's pretty obvious. We do this instinctively. We see this all the time in what we're we're doing within the sector. But we do need to check that we are promoting the right benefits, the right pros to being involved. And those are the things that your audience really actually cares about, not the things that you think they care about. So in the research I Looked at which are the most important pros or benefits that alumni felt from getting involved in alumni relations activities such as volunteering to give careers mentoring advice and the three top benefits that alumni reported were firstly altruistic fulfillment so this idea that they were helping pupils and giving something back to those pupils secondly pride in their educational institution and the opportunity to give something back and to um, celebrate, often publicly, their association with that institution, and to, and that's based on the fact that they feel really proud of their association with that institution. And thirdly, the the quality and enjoyment of the alumni activities themselves. It, again, seems pretty obvious, but things need to be fun. They need to be really enjoyable, really have a a real sense of of enthusiasm and energy and and positivity behind them if we're asking people to do this in their spare time. So definitely looking at what are the most important pros in your target audience, the community that you're working with, what do they really value Is it these three things, so the altruistic fulfilment, pride in the institution, and enjoyment of the activity itself? Or maybe it's something different. You're only going to know if you do the research and ask them. So my statistical analysis during this research, interestingly, so I looked at various different elements of gender, of age, of type of university, to see if there were any trends and patterns that emerged. And interestingly, the only ones which were statistically significant were the ones that looked at gender. So even though I was looking at age and other things, it was the gender differences that really came to the fore that were statistically significant. So in this area of the pros or promoting the benefits of getting involved in alumni relations activities, my research showed that this was a lot more effective for men. So the men really responded much more positively when you're really kind of shouting from the rooftops these benefits of getting involved to do with the altruistic fulfilment, the pride and the quality and enjoyment of the activities. So that was the first area of the trans-theoretical model of behaviour change I looked at, which was the pros. Moving on to the second, which is all about the cons um, in this kind of decisional balance that people make, balancing up the pros and the cons. So the cons of getting involved are often also similar to the barriers that people experience in getting involved. And my research showed that often alumni relations professionals would instinctively think about some of those barriers, but wouldn't necessarily continue thinking till they'd identified all of them and then make sure that they're reducing those barriers in their activities. So, for example, we kind of instinctively know and feel that a higher ticket price for an event is going to put some people off. That's because there's a cost barrier to getting involved. So some of this we do instinctively, but there are some barriers that people don't necessarily consider when they're designing these activities. I'm going to give you an example in a moment, which can elucidate some of this a little bit clearer, but there are definitely some barriers that we don't always consider So the research found that there was a fairly consistent list of four most important cons or barriers to getting involved in alumni relations activities. The first was lack of time. The second was the distance that alumni are from the institution. And alumni often mentioned that better use of social media was really needed to reduce that sense of distance. Thirdly, the cost involved in getting involved in alumni relations activities. And interestingly, this was really quite strongly rated by the alumni themselves as a barrier, but was less rated as a barrier by the alumni relations professionals that I spoke to. So it may be that as professionals, we're underrating the cost barrier. And then fourthly, the previous bad experiences that people have had with alumni relations activities And this is really fascinating. We have a sense that we want to do the right thing by our alumni, we want every activity to go really well, but actually this research shows that that is particularly important because one or possibly two bad experiences will put people off coming back in future to get involved more. So interestingly, the statistical analysis here, again, the only statistically significant difference was with the gender analysis that I did, and interestingly, this showed that overcoming the cons or the barriers to being involved in alumni relations activities was a more effective approach when you were trying to target and attract women to get involved. So for the men, the most important message you can get out there is promoting the benefits of getting involved. But for the women, the most important message you can get out there is how to overcome the barriers and that lack of time, that distance, the cost and the previous bad experiences, you need to overcome those barriers if you're really trying to target more women to get involved in your alumni relations activities. The third element of the trans-theoretical model of behaviour change is to do with self-efficacy. So this is defined as the situation-specific confidence that people have in their ability To perform the desired behaviour, even in adverse circumstances. So, this kind of boils down to confidence. So, it's about the confidence that alumni feel in their ability to actually give the careers advice or deliver the careers talk or whatever the activity is you're asking them to get involved in and to volunteer for. So I actually rarely see this considered explicitly when professionals are developing alumni relations activities. I certainly found that in my research. I didn't find any of the professionals I spoke to were specifically explicitly considering the confidence element, although some were building it in sort of instinctively themselves. But the statistical analysis that I did showed that building self-efficacy was important for both genders, both men and women although it was more important for women. Now, there are some specific confidence issues around getting involved in careers activities, for example, which might be to do with feeling that you need to have decades of experience before you're able to give back. But actually, often the best careers advice and uh, kind of careers talks are often given by people who have had maybe between three and five years experience in the sector because they can understand what it feels like to be sitting in the audience as a current pupil or young alum and they can understand what it's like to have had the experience they've had forging the early stages of their career. So that's an example of self-efficacy at play. It may be that those younger alumni feel they don't have enough experience yet And yet those are just the type of alumni you're trying to appeal to, to come back and help your current pupils and your younger alumni by giving careers talks or careers mentoring. So I'd like to give you a really concrete example to consider with this. And the example I'd like to give you is the University of Exeter's campaign. They have a campaign which they're just finishing off called Making the Exceptional Happen. And this included a £60 million financial target, but also a volunteer hours target. And as of autumn 2020, they'd reached 155% of their target. So they had blown it out of the water. They had had nearly 93,000 hours volunteered by alumni since the beginning of the campaign eight years ago. So that's over 10,000 hours a year. And the volunteer programme clearly promotes the pros, overcomes the cons or the barriers of getting involved and builds self-efficacy. So the link to the website for this is on the episode notes. Do take a look, it's fascinating. They they have really clearly set out a kind of menu, if you like, of ways that alumni can volunteer to help. And for each of those, they're promoting the pros in a pretty standard way. It's kind of all about altruistic helping pupils, helping students, building on the pride of being part of the university and they put it into their campaign. So it kind of sits alongside the the fundraising campaign. So the pros are all there pretty much as you would probably do instinctively yourself. What's fascinating is they do a great job of also overcoming the barriers and building self-efficacy. So in overcoming the barriers. The lack of time barrier. They have a very clear menu of options on their web page and each one has a clear time commitment. So alumni know in advance what they're committing to. Where it's flexible, so informal careers advice to students, for example, alumni can set themselves the maximum number of contacts that they're willing to receive. So they're actually in control of how much time they're giving And there's also a whole variety of time commitments that people can give. So on the menu, there's 15 minutes to write a careers profile, one hour a month for six months to be part of the careers mentor scheme. So there's a whole kind of menu of options with real clarity over the time you have to give. They also overcome the distance barrier by clearly marking which activities can be done by video call or remotely in other ways. And they have a statement which says, we have opportunities for you to volunteer from home, at work or on campus. All opportunities are available to international alumni. So they really proactively at the top of the page try to break down that distance barrier. And in terms of the cost, they also have a fund so they can pay travel expenses for alumni who are coming back to do things in person. So they overcome that barrier that way as well. they also build self-efficacy and confidence so each volunteering option has a requirements section and the way they phrase those requirements it makes it really encouraging for people to get involved so for the careers profile the requirement is nothing beyond a passion for your chosen field and the ability to communicate this in writing and then the, the, the careers mentors they specifically say three years professional experience in any career sector and it says mentors range from graduate trainees to managers and company directors, specifically overcoming that self-efficacy barrier of I don't have enough experience to really help others. So that's a great example of an alumni relations volunteer programme that has really thought about how to overcome those barriers and how to build confidence and self-efficacy in their alumni. So hopefully this has been useful I recommend that you really think about not just promoting the pros of getting involved in your activities, but also helping to overcome the barriers and the cons to getting involved and building alumni's confidence and self-efficacy and belief that they can really help. And to build that into when you're designing your alumni relations and fundraising programs. And to think more widely, how does it influence your thinking around fundraising? How does it influence your thinking around getting pupils to volunteer, your partnership work? Where else could this kind of social marketing approach be helpful? So as I said, there's a link to the dissertation in the episode notes if you want to explore that more. There's also a link to the first spark. Um, episode that I did a couple of weeks ago episode 18 which is all about innovation and thinking about how to use innovative ideas in your work and this is one example of how you can spark innovative ideas through looking outside the independent school sector for fresh insights so that's it for this week hopefully that's been helpful and I look forward to talking to you again next week have a great week bye then So that's it for today. And thanks for listening to the independent school podcast. If you want to make sure that you don't miss out on future episodes, you can sign up for my newsletter at www.consultjuliet.co.uk slash sign up. There you can also explore the various ways that I help independent schools to strengthen their income streams and secure their future. Fantastic. See you next time then.